Welcome to Talking Property. Today I'm joined by Australia's best property analyst, SQM researcher's Louis Christopher. Louis, thanks for joining us. Oh, nice to be here, Peter. Louis, let's cut straight to your scenarios as we came into 2022 and we'll bring yes. up the four scenarios that you predicted for the coming year. Yes. Scenario four there was probably your most cautious or downbeat scenario. And I guess frighteningly for, for most of us, we've quickly gone past that scenario. We have. So if we can break down what went into that forecast, Oh, that scenario, you thought that APRA might intervene in the market by March 2022. Headline inflation would be 4 to 6% and QE, uh, quantitative easing or money printing or free money would be scaled back. Both of those things have happened. Yes, they have. And the cash rate would increase to 0.25%, if not 0.5% in the first half of 2022. But here we are um, in the middle of the year and, um, and interest rates are, or well, the cash rate is well above that. So by way of background, when we put our forecasts together, we normally actually come up with initially 20 forecasts or 20 scenarios, shall I say. And then what we do uh, without publishing all these is then scale it down to what we think are the mo four most likely scenarios and then hang our hat on our base case scenario. So definitely we considered an environment where inflation would accelerate, that the RBA's transitory call and that no rate rises in 2024 until 2024 call would not materialise and indeed that they would have to go early. And indeed, that's what's happened. It's happened predominantly, of course, because of the Ukraine-Russia war aggravating the inflationary outlook. You'll see there that we had in this scenario uh, inflation potentially reaching up to 6%. And I would have to say odds are pretty high now it will go beyond 6%. Hence the reason why the RBA has been so aggressive with their rate rises. So with this scenario, yes, the, the forecast then was that Sydney and Melbourne housing prices would fall and they would fall potentially up to 7 to 8%. On a cash rate of 0.5%, you did have Sydney housing uh, running at uh, uh, potentially minus 7% there. Yes. Now that we're looking like the cash rate will be, what, maybe 1.5% by the end of the year, 1.75%? The RBA actually has penciled in publicly uh, potentially 1.75%. So what will that do to Sydney house prices? It would mean that, yes, at the very least, uh, the the bottom end of our forecast range here of 7% would, would definitely come into play. That would be a lock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we're right now, as we currently sit today, we think that is the most likely outlook. There is further downside risk from that 7% fall this year. If they continue to lift rates at, say, 50 basis points every time they go, well, that will create a major downturn and, and a fair bit of that might occur this year. Now, we don't do a 2023 forecast. We haven't done one yet. We will release one later this year. But at this point in time, being roughly mid-year, it's too early days to actually do a 2023 forecast. There's so many X factors out there right now. So we're, we're not willing to do it. Some of my peers, some of the banks continually do it and they continually change their forecasts month to month it seems and not be held accountable for it. From our perspective what we like to do uh, as a research house is say here's a forecast on everything we knew at the time and these are the scenarios that we've considered. The RBA have only moved in you know, the cash rate twice. Are you surprised at the impact um, those movements have had? So so far the impact has mainly been sentiment. Secondary to that 
there will be an increasing number of would-be home buyers simply disqualified from getting a home loan or not being able to get the amount of lending that they were seeking to begin with because their overall borrowing power has reduced. Some years back, uh, the banking, banking sector brought in what we call the serviceability buffer test. So this is a theoretical test in terms of whether a borrower could withstand interest rates rising and at what point could they withstand it too, effectively. And so most borrowers essentially since 2014 have been tested on whether they could afford a theoretical lending rate of roughly around 6 to 7%. And that all assumes they maintain their current employment status or improve it? 100%. The most recent rate rises, I would suggest to you right now, there's, there's not too many forced sales going on out there. If we were to see a lending rate above 7%, then I think we would see a lot more for sale activity. That's where you would start to see vendors panicking a bit uh, in the marketplace and just getting out. The other scenarios you've talked about is a scenario where potentially we go into recession and we see a dramatic rise in unemployment and yet interest rates are still relatively high. Okay, that would also create a lot more for sale activity and it could happen at a lending rate below 7% if you were to see skyrocketing unemployment. Louis, I've never seen the auction clearance rate pull back so sharply on such low stock levels. Uh, as we head into spring, we're going to see stock levels rise um, because they always do in spring, seasonally speaking, and we'll see a lot of failed campaigns from the first half of the year uh, try again in spring. What does that set up for vendors and buyers uh, when we hit the spring market? If your outlook does come to pass and we see a surge in stock listings, then yes, that will put further downward pressure on the housing market. There'll be more vendors and buyers out there. We, we roughly do have that now, but there'll be a lot more vendors and buyers, and that would put uh, more downward pressure on housing prices in the December quarter. However, I would say, Peter, there'll be a lot of vendors who will be sitting this out and waiting for the market to bottom and to pick up again. Uh, so there'll be vendors who will say, you know what, I'll wait until 2023 to sell. Yeah. There'll be a number of those. And then there will be also a number, as you point out, where, no, they kind of do need to sell this year. It's not a discretionary vendors market. They'll sit it out indeed. American billionaire Ray Dalio recently said that central banks would go too far with their interest rate rises and they'd be forced to cut in 2024 as things begin to break in the economy uh, and markets at large, stock markets, property markets, etc. How do you feel about that comment, Louis? I think it's so hard to forecast two years out from now. Uh, there's just so many expectors. Should have told the RBA. Yes, indeed. So we wouldn't dare put a forecast out in 2024. Uh, I will only say though that I, I think it's likely that the housing market will keep falling in Sydney up until the point that we're, we're, we're near the top of the interest rate cycle. Um, there are caveats to that. Um, one caveat is that if we really see accelerating inflation uh, and the RBA doesn't properly respond to that. Now, a lot of people um, who are probably 40 and under have never seen inflation, therefore are not aware of the dangers that inflation poses on a practical level. They're increasingly becoming aware now when they go to the supermarket and pay $10 for a lettuce, etc. What are some of the historical precedents that inflation and impacts has had on property markets, Louis? Some of your audience may be surprised by my previous comment talking about you know, if we really get accelerating inflation, because we've got inflation now over 5%, and it's probably really at 6% now. 
when I say accelerating inflation, I'm talking about inflation getting up to say eight, nine, ten percent. And have we seen that in Australia before? We have, uh, and that was actually in the ni- in the 1970s, when inflation actually peaked at 17.5 percent for the year. Uh, that was 1975. Now, what was also very interesting about that whole decade with the 70s, and inflation was with us pretty much right throughout that whole decade. It was sparked uh, by the oil crisis uh, back in 1973 and continued on throughout the decade. The average inflation for the whole decade over the 1970s, I think, was roughly about 9.5%. What's really interesting about that is that Sydney housing prices in that decade quadrupled. They started at about $18,000 as a median house price, and the decade finished with median house prices roughly around $84,000, if I recall the numbers. And when inflation was running at 17.5% in 1975, yes. where was the interest rate setting of the day? Oh, it was definitely in double digits. So the RBA... Above or below 17.5%? I think it was below, yes. if I recall. And so we still had this situation of what I call negative real interest rates. And, and people can Google what that means. It means that when the inflation rate's actually above the cash rate, and it's, it's actually very stimulatory for the economy. And where we're sitting right now is a situation where negative real rates are, are, are quite large, quite significant, where at basically minus 4% um, when we consider the current inflation rate versus the current cash rate. And this ties straight back to your point that the current slowdown is not structural, it's sentiment-based. It's sentiment-based for now. That is correct. So as mentioned before, few four sellers out there right now. They can, they can withstand the current rate rises. No question about that. It's, so it's, it's buyers stepping back, but also buyers increasingly being disqualified and not being able to borrow as much as what they could before. Is there a chance those buyers that have gone to the sidelines could get caught on the wrong side of the trade as inflation really takes hold in an uncontrollable fashion, and then there's suddenly a flood back into hard assets as people look for a hedge against this inflation? It is possible. So if the RBA continues to underestimate inflation, and we see inflation get up to say eight, nine, 10%, maybe more, I believe we will see a rush towards real assets. People will not be wanting to hold on to money for too long because the, the, that money, that cash is devaluing, de, uh, devaluing at effectively 10% or more. Uh, so yes, people then tend to move towards real assets and that might be real estate, it might be gold, it might be other things of tangible value. Louis, we have a new federal government, of course, in Australia. Um, their policies and, and their new direction will take hold uh, in the second half of 2022. What do you expect from the new government as far as housing goes? The Labor government did have a policy out there uh, prior to the election where they wished to build uh, 30,000 new public homes over the next five years. And they also had their shared equity scheme. Uh, they've recently announced through the new housing minister uh, a home guarantee scheme expansion whereby uh, there is an organisation out there called NIFIC who will basically guarantee a deposit. Uh, so it helps first home buyers in particular put down a lower deposit and they've expanded that scheme. But overall on the supply side, given where the rental market is right now, it's the 30,000 dwellings over five years is probably not going to be enough. 
uh, to resolve our rental uh, crisis that we're having right now and our overall affordability issues. We really do need to see something far more um, visionary on the supply side, let's just say that. Keeping in mind that home ownership rates have now been slipping since 2006. So there, there has been an issue there. So when you say slipped, what have they gone to? Well, they used to be in the uh, roughly about 72%, if I recall, was a peak or just under 72%. And they're currently sitting at about 65%. And we're waiting for the most recent census update, and I think that's going to fall, show another fall in home ownership rates. And overall, that's not good for the economy or the community. It's not good for a liberal democracy. Um, it, it can create social problems if you continue to see a slide in home ownership rates. The challenge for any government trying to fix an issue in the housing market is how do you intervene without inflating and stimulating it further, isn't it? Because there's a track record of both the Liberal Party and the Labor Party governments stepping in with policies that only fuel the market further. Yeah, they, they've been stimulating the demand side. The objective, the real goal we wish to try and address our housing affordability issues and how our home ownership rates is to attack the supply side, really ramp up the supply side. Just what happened in the Menzies era. Uh, where there was a rapid increase in public housing, which eventually turned into private housing. And that really saw home ownership rates lift from 50% or below 50% back in the 1930s through to the 70% uh, range that we had uh, from the 19, late 1960s. Louis, uh, changing tack now, I'd like to bring up uh, our next slide, which is talking about, for anyone that is buying and selling, the headwinds and the, uh, the tailwinds uh, powering the market at the yes. moment. So if we look at the challenges of the headwinds facing the market, obviously we've had the COVID outbreak there. Um, we have inflation response down there. And in, as you've just correctly outlined to us, inflation in and of itself is actually not bad for a property market. Yes. It's the response that inflation draws that's a challenge for the property market. Yes. We've got a change of government. We've got to see how they take hold from here. Um, can we expect further increases in the fixed home loan rates from the mortgage banks? Or do you think they will now just go in lockstep with the RBA? There will be fixed home loan rate increases for sure because the banks do believe interest rates are going high from here and so they, they will need to lift their fixed rates. What will happen is that the variable rate um, will go uh, higher again over the, the fixed rate in time and then eventually fixed rates will basically pause as the various major banks expect the cycle to peak and interest rates cuts interest rate cuts will be on the horizon. Lots of people intelligently locked in interest rates, uh, their fixed home loan rates when they were at record lows in yes. 2021. They're due to expire in 2023, 2024. They're going to be dropped off at a point where interest rates are significantly higher. Um, how will that play through at that point in time? Well, it will depend on terms of any actual income increase, what the unemployment rate is. There is a risk here that for many people, that massive readjustment from the say a fixed rate of 2% to a variable rate of say 7% uh, will, be, will be too much. Uh, there is a chance for that. It does very much depend in terms of whether we see a, a real wage increase due to the inflationary effects or we don't. We see our wages actually fall behind inflation. Now, if we were to see that scenario, then yeah, I think many of those uh, borrowers uh, could be in a bit of trouble if we were to see a lending rate of 7% and that's what they need to adjust to. Is there a potential debt bomb in the market, in the mortgage market here with this scenario, Louis? Potentially, 
Yes, uh, if the Reserve Bank of Australia is too aggressive with their rate rises uh, to try and combat inflation, the economy and the housing market will have a, house, a hard landing and it will be imparted as a result of our high debt to GDP levels. And is there a scenario where the RBA will just let inflation run because there is a debt bomb that's waiting to go off if they hit it too hard and they'd prefer to deal with the outcome of inflation? Or, or, or is it a case of we must kill inflation at any cost? There is a scenario where the RBA kicks a can down the road and they could plausibly argue that there's a certain component of inflation which is beyond the country's control. Uh, and that is oil prices, food prices, uh, and other raw commodity prices which we as a country have little control over. What would central banks, not just the RBA, but what would central banks prioritise higher? Um, keeping unemployment low or inflation low? Uh, it's funny you should say that, Peter, because when you look at the mandates of the, the various central banks, they basically state they want to do both. And sometimes it's impossible to do both. Well, you see that scenario where there's an impossibility. I think many more people are seeing a scenario here where the Reserve Bank of Australia could be cornered and that they'll have to make a very hard decision in terms of uh, do they address uh, inflation even more so than what they are now? Uh, or, or basically, do they let the economy continue at near full employment? Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult call, but yes, uh, there'll be some hard decisions to be made. You said the Bank of England, the Reserve Bank in uh, the US Federal Reserve, Royal Bank of New Zealand, the Canadian um, Reserve Bank, they're all going through the same challenge. This is Absolutely. a global phenomenon, isn't it's it? It's a global phenomenon, um, and the inflation story is a global story. Yeah. Uh, now, I have mentioned in the past that, okay, here domestically, we had an economy that really advanced out of COVID, uh, due to all the stimulus and we, we quickly hit our capacity constraints. Let's take a closer look at the tailwinds or the supporting factors for the property market because there are some out there, Louis. Yes. Um, the rental market's rising strongly um, after uh, crashing during COVID. Uh, yes, it is on our numbers. It's up 15% in Sydney for the past 12 months. So let's talk about someone that is under mortgage stress. Um, their, their fixed home loan expires. They need to refinance yes. at a much higher mortgage rate. They can't afford that. Yes. They can go to the rental market with that property if they don't want to sell it right. and they'll get a higher rent for it. They'll get a higher rent for it and yeah. it's a high rental yield and that yes that would help yeah. offset those uh, mortgage rate increases. All COVID restrictions pretty much look like they've gone so the economy is on its own now there's no uh, restrictions nor support that's pretty That's fair true yeah, yeah. And, and your point there about support support yeah. has been wound back yeah. to an extent there's still some support out there but it has been largely wound back. International borders are open both from a tourism perspective in hopefully uh, incoming in uh, money as tourists come, come here and spend money but also the international students and people wanting to move to Australia because of the lifestyle, etc. That's got to help us. Absolutely. And so yeah. the, the forecast for immigration is that we'll see an intake of about 300,000 people um, over the next 12 months. And the majority of those will end up in Sydney and Melbourne, I presume? Historically, yes. So you, these are the two major cities that uh, new Im immigrants come to. And then what you find then is there's a secondary wave where our immigrants then uh, move on to beyond, say, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth. Uh, wages are increasing and will continue to increase. If you look at the labour market, sub 4% unemployment rate, the battle for talent out there is immense. You've probably seen it in your own business and friends' businesses. Yes, that's right. And so if we were to see a degree of you know, what was once called wage indexation, that potentially could support the housing market. 
it would mean, of course, inflation goes further or higher. Yeah. And then we wait to see how the RBA would respond to that scenario. Because we had that discussion during the election, didn't we, about increasing the minimum wage. And for yes. an individual, that's great to get a pay rise. But collectively or across the board, the reality is that feeds inflation further. It does feed inflation further. There's no question about that. And when, when you see unemployment below 4%, look, we're, we're scraping the barrel to find people. Uh, and generally employers such as myself then start competing out there against other employers to get the talent in. We saw a stable handover of power in Australia. I don't think that should be underestimated or taken for granted. It, it, absolutely right. From an outsider looking in, yeah. we, we, we look and we are essentially a very politically stable country. I saw, which I thought was great, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese sharing a box at the first State of Origin game in Sydney. That's unheard of in other parts of that, the world. That's unheard of. And, you know, I personally, it's good to see it looks yeah. like Scott's going to take a fairly quiet profile, unlike, say, some of our uh, predecessors that we've had are holding that prime ministership role. <laughs> we'll leave that one alone, but I know what you're saying. And the federal government are going to have to do something with cost of living support, aren't they? Yes, they will, especially for lower paid workers. So effectively 5.1% wage increase for our lower paid workers, essential staff, has been priced in. I think personally and morally, it's a good thing, but no question, it's going to feed into higher inflation as well. Now, being realistic about it all, when we put our um, market headwinds and market tailwinds head to head, in fairness, it does look like the headwinds are, are going to prevail over the tailwinds. The reality is, is that rising interest rates and housing prices do not mix well, Peter. It's always been the case. The only scenario where it wouldn't be the case is where inflation really accelerates and the RBA is not willing to go that extra mile, then you could see a pickup uh, with housing prices. I hope we don't see that scenario because then we're going to have a lot of social issues. I think the most uh, frightening thing that you've put across today is there's a scenario, probably not too far away, where the RBA are potentially cornered. That's right. And, and that's coming. That's coming sooner than expected. Uh, Louis, that's an outstanding breakdown of what to expect in the second half of 2022 for the Sydney property market. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Uh, thank you again, Peter. Cheers. And thank you for joining us today on Talking Property. We look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you.